Hello, welcome to another episode of When Football Met Soccer, where we talk about all things football on the pitch, off the pitch. Here with another solo episode, it's me, Francesca. And there were a lot of exciting games this weekend. I was very much entertained. I don't even know where to start, but I feel like I should start with Man United. So Manchester United lose to Bournemouth, embarrassingly. It was Bournemouth's first ever win at Old Trafford, so congratulations to them. A job really well done. I don't even know whether I should talk about the positives of Bournemouth first or the negatives on the United side, although I probably have more to say on the latter. The difference is that Bournemouth on this day took all the chances that they had, and United didn't, right? If I were to say who's at fault for this performance, it's ETH. In the past, there were a lot of other things at play, individuals, um, you know, key mistakes, big mistakes. But in this one, I really do think ETH absolutely flopped. He did not have tactical a tactical strategy, and he did not make sure that each individual player on the pitch knew their role, right? This game, even though it was still, as United often is, filled with individual errors, this one was so glaring that how is it that in training, ETH doesn't tighten them up, that it's on the manager to make sure that when you're passing a ball, you know who you're passing to and that you don't make the most difficult pass in this world that United tends to make. When you watch them play, you feel like there's an easy person that they can pass to that's obvious to anyone who can see. But no, they choose the most difficult pass. Then it's a loose ball or they don't, they, the accuracy is shit. And then they get dispossessed and the other team goes on a counterattack. We can see from all the goals that Bournemouth scores. First one, bad pass from Bruno, right? Second one, bad pass from Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw, by the way, did not have a good game. Recently, he hasn't been playing well. I don't know if it's because he keeps now playing at center back, uh, which isn't working as well for him. Also because Varane is still on the bench uh, for reasons that none of us really know exactly, except that maybe he's in sort of, sort of feud with the manager and he can't fucking get over it because you cannot be benching a player like Varane when you have him on your team and you're paying him so high in wages. It just... It doesn't make sense, right? Like if you have, you've made your point. He hasn't played for several games. Now just get over it and you need to start, you know, winning games. This is not, this is the best league in the world. You can't afford to have your, one of your best players and highest paid players just sitting on the bench every day fuming when the cameras, you know, shift to his face. A, a goal that could have put Bournemouth 4-0 up. It was Maguire's mistake. He gets dispossessed. Also, can we please... Talk about McTominay. It seems like the only person who is confused about McTominay is Ten Hag. We all see it, right? He wants to get in the box to be the right place to score. And he's done that. He's gotten United out of some sticky situations. That is for sure. That we give him credit for. But his role is as a pivot, as a defensive midfielder next to Amrabat, at least in the last two games. Clearly, he does not know what to do in midfield at all. He's fumbling around. 
Amrabat gets left alone by not just Bruno Fernandes, but also McTominay. And that's overwhelming, especially as a player who just got to the team and is adapting. How could you ask him to cover so much ground? It, the same thing kind of happened with Casemiro. He was overwhelmed in his position, and that led to also a lot of mistakes, right? And instead of trying to really remedy that, he puts McTominay in there, who is just going to make things worse. It really feels like he, this, this guy, this player, has, has no inkling of what it means to be a midfielder. The only thing he can do is to score a couple goals once in a while because he gets in some of the right positions. But when it comes to a midfielder, to tackle, to win duels, to get possessions, to make good long passes, to, to carry the ball, I don't think he's able to do any of those things. And we all see it. We all know that McTominay should not be playing in that position. And yet, recently, he's been starting every single game in the position that he should not be playing in. He's just one of those players who's not good enough to play for United. Add that to the long list of players that should not be playing for United. I don't know. There's, there should be a clean, clean out at some point, right? There should be an exodus of players that Ten Hag and management really need to get out of that team, especially people who've been around for a while and really don't deliver. Martial, right? Like, come on, that guy needs to go. Sancho, right? You know, there's been a lot of ups and downs with that one. Um, uh, Scott McTominay. I don't know. Maguire, even though he's been actually playing decently the past few games, it's, you know, really, really, really wasn't his fault per se. The newer players and younger players, I can't say much because they're really not at fault. They just got here or they're too inexperienced. But especially Bruno Fernandes as, as captain, I don't know what to say. He's... Not really fit, in my opinion, to be captain. It doesn't seem like he's able to get the team to rally around the flag. If there is so much contention in the locker room, the captain plays an important role to be able to resolve certain conflicts, right? I mean, it's not just being a good captain on the pitch, which, by the way, I don't think he does a good job of either, right? Thought it was a democracy, and I guess people voted for him. Um, I just don't see, I, I, I don't think Bruno, and, and on top of that, he's making a lot of mistakes during games as well. So not only is he not fulfilling his role as a captain, he's also making mistakes that you wouldn't actually expect him to make as a really, really, really good player normally, right? We expect a lot more from him. This United team is so inconsistent you really don't know what to expect from one day or the other. They beat Chelsea. They crush them. Yes, Chelsea is just not doing great right now. They just lost another game against Everton 2-0. But they did have a really good showing. And yet, they get to Bournemouth and they lose 3-0 at home. This inconsistency, something that ETH, to his credit, actually also pointed out, is, is a lot. And... You know, when fans look at the decisions that they have made, all the tumultuous things that have happened with the ownership, buying someone like Onana, who seems to be a huge mistake at this point, because there is something about his mentality that is just not clicking. 
all top goalies should be able to surmount the mental pressure, right? The ones that don't, you don't get remembered in the history books, right? You could have been a great goalie, but if one big thing gets you down and you never recover, then I'm sorry. You probably, you know, weren't a world-class goalie. The mental pressure that you have to overcome, especially as a goalie, because you're the one manning that goal in the back by yourself, arguably the most individual player on the field that is most removed from any kind of tactical strategy that the manager may have, even though obviously he is involved. Um, You, Onana is in some sort of mental block, right? Because he clearly, if he can make saves that are difficult, but fail to do the bare minimum of what a top club's goalie is supposed to do, then I am inclined to say that there is a mental block. He can't get over the pressure that he's being under, put under. And that's a huge problem. You can't have a goalie that just succumbs to that pressure. And game after game doesn't show up for his club, especially when you have such a weak back line and a midfield that is so easy to penetrate. Anyway, there's a lot to say here. The players just, I'm not sure what their problem is. And it doesn't seem like they have a great relationship with the manager either. It's the chemistry is just not there. The inconsistency is too blatant. Um, And I don't know. I don't think ETH knows what to do anymore. He doesn't have, um, he doesn't have strategy. He doesn't have a game plan when it comes to the games that he plays. It's just, you know, throwing spaghetti on the wall and seeing what sticks pretty much. Um, Anyway, congratulations to Bournemouth. You've been on a great run. Uh, Sid Lowe pointed out on Twitter that Basque Country uh, was the birthplace of a lot of top managers right now, including, you know, Xabi Alonso, uh, who's the manager of Leverkusen, who is still at top of the league, especially after an embarrassing defeat uh, of Bayern 5-1. Unai Emery, who who I'll talk about in a second. Uh, Mikel Arteta, obviously. And Bournemouth manager, Andoni Irola. In fact... Alonso, Arteta, and Iraola all played for the same youth team um, in Basque Country called Antiguoco. So what do you know? A tiny, tiny place with population of like 2 million produced all this football talent. So congratulations to Bournemouth and United. Well, at least, you know, they're doing better than Chelsea. Let's move on to Aston Villa versus Arsenal. So I'm personally happy that Arsenal finally dropped some points. The 1-0 scoreline, I think, is pretty fair uh, because both teams played well, but ultimately Villa had the slight upper hand. Arsenal had a lot of chances. As usual, they create chances, right? But in, in, this, in, in this game, they didn't take all of them or they didn't take any <laughs> if you know, they didn't manage to score any. And I was waiting for that last-minute comeback, which they managed against Luton Town in the middle of the week and many other games in this so far this season. Uh, but it didn't come, ultimately. They pressed very high, right, which forced Villa to sit a bit deeper. So they didn't actually have the same attacking force as they did against City uh, when they beat them 1-0. But I have to give it to them. They defended so well. 
Uh, every time I thought Arsenal was going to score, but, you know, they, they stood through it. And in the second half, Emery made a couple subs and that even consolidated and solidified their defense even more. Arsenal just couldn't cut, cut through that defense, right? It's another example of a team that doesn't necessarily have all these standout individual players or stars, but they produce brilliant team performances. It was the case of Brighton. Uh, you see it in Newcastle um, on and off. And you see it now with Aston Villa. Granted, Unai Emery has coached top flight teams in the past, but at the end of the day, he hasn't won that many trophies, right? Um, but watching them is just really fun. Watching watching Villa play, they back-to-back win at home against City and then Arsenal. They are now on a 15-win streak at home, I believe. Once they get their once they get their feet on the ball, their build-up play is so fast, so smooth. Uh, even if they don't end up scoring, they threaten Arsenal's defense, right? It's a horrible, maybe not horrible, but not a great day at the office for Saliba or Zinchenko. And to, on this day, I think Arsenal was just really lacking that finishing touch. Teams are really figuring out how to break down Arsenal. Luton did it with their corners. Defensively, Arsenal has weaknesses when it comes to set pieces. Uh, Raya, the goalie, he has a tendency to leave his post a bit, leaving it wide open. And there are a lot of other teams that have watched Arsenal play in their specific style and figured out a way to break them down, right? And you could see that it was much harder for Martinelli um, or other wingers to, to link up with Jesus. Uh, and that's partially maybe because they had a slightly worse performance. But at the same time, I think really teams are figuring out how to prevent that very smooth link up a transition that Ars- we're used, so used to seeing Arsenal play with. And I have to say, Ars- um, Kai Havertz had a really good game. I mean, it's annoying to have to admit that, but honestly, he was one of the better players on the pitch for Arsenal. So at least we see improvement in that department. So kudos to Arteta. But another great performance by Aston Villa. I'm really excited to see what they do next. They're actually now sitting number three in the league, uh, only a couple points off Liverpool. And I'm not sure if they're going to be contending for the title, but I do think based on what we see so far, they have a very good chance at top four. So moving to the other team, my team, that is now sitting at number four. City win against Luton away. So at Luton, uh, the score was 2-1. Uh, it was a mixed bag for me. City played better, but Luton Town, honestly, I thought they were very impressive. Uh, they kept pushing, they kept pressing, they attacked, they played with balls, I have to say. City, I think Pep made some important changes. They went back to a 4-3-3 lineup. They didn't have such a horrible I actually had a better first half when they didn't score but uh you know a, a defensive error from Guardiol uh who, that led to the first ball uh, sorry that led to the first goal I don't really know what City's problem is that they're so unconvincing 
in the past five games or, you know, or more. I want to say it's the midfield. It's too easy to penetrate City's midfield. If the other team presses high and, you know, after Gundogan is not here, KDB is not playing, I just don't think there's enough solidarity and creativity in the middle of the park, right? It's a problem that we rely on Rodri so heavily. With him on the pitch, he's had a 44-game unbeaten streak. And without him, City's lost like five games already this season in the Premier League. A team like City should not be so reliant on one player. It just, you can't do that. There's a chance that he's going to get injured. He's going to get suspended, which he did many times already. I'm not sure why. He got booked again, I think. It's just, I don't think even the managers realized how dependent they were on Rodri until it was too late. Now he is irreplaceable. Once he's not there, they look lost. There's no source of creativity, of balance, of attacking vision. uh, And anyone can just cut through the midfield, even if it's not a very convincing team. So, and then on top of that, you know, we have Walker's drop in performance. He's defensively much weaker. His passing just doesn't look like what it was even last season. He is getting older. I don't know how City's going to replace him. I'm hoping there are plans to target certain players like Hakimi uh, to come in and fill that right back spot because it's extremely important that they do so. Alvarez has been off as well. You know, when Pep wants all his players to be able to play in multiple decisions, uh, positions, I understand where he's coming from. But at the same time, there are certain players where it may be more difficult for them to adapt to that style. And Alvarez seems to be that way. And even to an extent, Foden. Foden is a City Academy player and he's used to Pep. But at the same time, you can clearly tell that Alvarez and Foden are inferior in certain positions. I don't think Alvarez should be playing on the wing. He does not look very comfortable. Granted, Doku wasn't available. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, Bernardo Silva had a good game, uh, scored a nice goal. Grealish scored another nice goal. I am still not very optimistic about this team. I stick to what I said this week about City not challenging the title. I don't think they have it in them this season. They are really look like they're running out of steam. They need to dig for a win at Luton. Really, no disrespect to Luton. I really don't mean it in that way. But they really had to dig to come back from that game. So yeah, I, don't, I, I really don't think they have it in them. But at least it's a win. You know, we'll see uh, how the next game goes after the midweek Champions League. So Tottenham crushed Newcastle 4-1. I gotta say, though, Ange Ball is so fun to watch. It's just, it's really a lot of fun. Uh, Even with a lot of injuries that they have, they still put out such a show. And Newcastle were just really fumbling. Uh, Newcastle has been also a bit inconsistent lately. Uh, Don't really know what's going on there. Ange got a lot of stuff right in this game. Even putting Sun at left wing was a good idea. 
Pedro Porro is incredible. His assist on that third goal for Richarlison, man, Ange did some magic with this guy as an inverted fullback, which, you know, some people say he's the best in his position in the league right now. I'm not sure I agree yet, but he shows a lot of promise defensively and defensively, which these days is kind of rare because, I, I don't know, there are people who play in a position who just don't want to defend at all, um, like Trent. Uh, but he's, he's, he's very technical. He had a great, great game. And he also was fantastic against City in his position against Doku. So well-deserved praise for Poro. Richarlison had another good game, which is unexpected. His, it's his first, he scores a brace, and it's his first goal with his feet since he's arrived at Tottenham, which is... Anyway, this player, I don't see. I think it was a, more of a fluke in this game. Um, but at least he was able to score some goals that you know, don't, doesn't make him feel like it was, he was an absolute flop. Uh, on the, on the Newcastle side, I don't really have that much to say, except that Trippier doesn't look like he's in great form recently in the last two games specifically. Uh, and you can really see how much it affects Newcastle. It's, he is so, so important to that on that right-hand side. And they also have some very ineffective forwards Almedon has always been his problem. He can't score consistently. Isaac is better, but same kind of deal. I would say I even prefer Gordon, uh, but on this day, they, they just really, they were not productive. And now they're missing Nick Pope, which is another problem. Uh, and I'm not sure who would come in and replace him. Uh, there are rumors about you know, uh, Hugo Lloris or Bono, but we'll see if they end up do replacing him because Nick Pope was very, very important to their defense. Uh, and no matter of what people say about him, I still think he's a really good goalie. So that's a huge, huge uh, and sad loss for Newcastle. The last game I want to touch on was Barcelona versus Girona. So Barcelona loses at home 4-2. And Girona now sit top of the La Liga table, above Real Madrid, above Barcelona, and above Atleti. In this day, in this game, Girona was the much better team. I think they deserve to win. They have never been in this position before, challenging for the title this late, this far into the season. They've always been this afterthought, you know, since Barcelona took all the spotlight as the Catalan team. But right now, so far, what we can see in this season, they are the better Catalonian team and best in Spain, apparently. Barcelona were good offensively. I think they had a pretty decent performance offensively, especially in the first half. They had around 30 shots. You know, clearly, uh, almost, I think, an extra year around four, but only registered two goals. Lewandowski's misses, man, especially that last one that could have leveled them 3-3. He is, I think, one of Barcelona's bigger mistakes to buy him at such an old age. He had proven himself, himself in the Bundesliga for sure, but since he's gotten to Barcelona, as many goals as he did score last season, which was around 23 or 24, He's had a real drop-off, and I think Chavi needs to stop defending him because at this point, they really just sound like excuses. 
And there are also other individual players where I feel like there's a huge drop-off, especially in that back line. Arahu Kunde did not expect this, even Balde a bit. And actually, the one that I didn't think I would be saying is Pedri. Pedri, since his injury coming back, has not been the same. I'm not saying that he's been playing that poorly, but he just hasn't had the magic that we all expect from Pedri. De Jong is the only midfielder that I feel has been very consistent. But even during against Girona, he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't that good. So this drop of performance is concerning from a huge variety of players. Cancelo, what a player! He is such a beast offensively, but he doesn't want to defend. He does not want to defend. What is up with these players who just don't want to do like a good chunk of what they're supposed to do? Right? He creates so many chances. Beautiful assists, beautiful passing, progressive carries, sorry, progressive passes. But I don't know. His, he leaves the back line quite vulnerable. So there needs to be something done here. I don't know. This game, for the first time, makes me feel like, I have to say, Hamza is correct that Xavi isn't up for this challenge. It's his third year at Barcelona. There's really no excuse of, oh, no, well, we're still adapting, we're building, it's a project. Is it really, though? You've been here for a while, man, and you are a Barcelona player. You should know what, it's, what it means to play for Barcelona, right? He came into this game with a bit of an offensive plan, yes, but like zero defensive plan. Girona could do whatever they want in that final third, which is crazy considering, I don't know, like this lack of preparation. And you're not playing nobody. You're playing a team that has managed to win game after game after game. Yes, granted, they have conceded goals, Girona. They're not perfect. But they're a top three, top four team. You can't go into a game like that without any defensive plan. And it seemed like they were lost. Kunde was lost. Araujo looked uncharacteristically lost especially after he dropped his mask and decided that he didn't need it anymore, which I found hilarious. And Christensen, mm, okay. Balde, just not as good as he usually is uh, And when he, when he was subbed on. So I think there are a lot of concerns in this Barcelona team. I would to an extent say that the chances that they win the title is just very, very slim at this point because as, as good as they are offensively, as a cohesive group I don't see the consistency I don't see the energy and I don't see a very clear strategic way in which they play they're not as smooth they don't have the same kind of solidity that I was actually seeing more in last season look at their defensive record from last season and they've had such a drop-off and yeah so I don't it's gonna be a tough season for Barcelona I think a good aim would just be maintain a top four spot, maybe aim for second if possible. But right now, yeah, I don't see them. I don't see them winning the title or challenging for it, which is unfortunate. So sorry, Hamza. Anyway, that concludes the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed. If you did, please leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening from. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye.